Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Mike and Gino bringing it to you live this Thursday, June 28th. So much going on in the sports world, watching the World Cup games as we speak. And Gino, there's so many different things that we want to hit on today from the NFL to the NBA to the World Cup. Uh, where are you at with your World Cup viewing and Better than you. disappointment with Germany? Better than you. We were You were making fun of me for my Argentina shot. They made it in barely at the last minute, but... This is the first time since, what, 1950 that Germany is not in. Um, this was a German team that didn't have a lot of youth um, in in what uh, was a lot of their major contr- uh, contributors. So we saw that, um, you know, you need a little youth here. And this has been a, a pretty head-scratching World Cup so far. It started to come back to life a little bit, formful-wise, uh, in the kind of the second and third games. But uh, no Germany. Now, as we move on uh, to the uh, to the knockout round, which I mean, that's that's huge. That is huge. It is huge because you know not only are they the world champs and they have big expectations, but they just didn't play well together this year for whatever reason. Even going into this tournament, they weren't really playing that well. They didn't gel together. So to me, it'll be really interesting to see. Do we end up with a powerhouse in the finals? You know, uh, I just have this feeling that we're going to see one of the usual suspects and then some type of David and Goliath matchup. That's kind of what I'm feeling right now. But wouldn't it be cool to see two totally like unheard of in terms of World Cup dominance type teams in the finals? That would just be really, really cool, I think. It's been that kind of a World Cup. It really has. Um, Who like right now with what you've seen, obviously you can't stick with your pick. Uh, and I think nope, I'm out. <laughs> so who are your two? You, I think you had two that you, you thought were going to be. I had I, Germany and Spain. Okay. I, I went Spain, Argentina. So as my two, so who, so you still got Spain, like as you've seen so far, would you change or alter any of your opinions? Well, I have to now, right? Because my, my team is out, but you know, the team that's kind of sneaky and I, I did a little $20 pool at the beginning and it kind of gives you like, you know, you know, those pools that give you bonus points if you pick an underdog and there's multipliers and it's a very different type of pool than I've ever been involved with. But the dark horse team that I took that could still maybe win me this thing is Croatia. They're playing some really good football and I could see them making some noise, you know, but let's not sleep on England. They've shown that they could score in bunches, man. Yeah, there's a good game going right now uh, as we're recording this uh, England-Belgium, which should be a very interesting game uh, moving forward. And we saw this morning uh, a couple of uh, draws. Uh, we saw a couple of victories for Colombia and Poland. Poland defeated Japan and Colombia defeated Senegal. Which and, allows, uh, by the way, Japan to backdoor its way in in the same way that Mexico got backdoored in. What are your feelings about these celebrations? Now, let me back up. One of the things that I think has been a barrier between Americans really getting into soccer is kind of the soccer culture. And, you know, 
players kind of seeming a little bit wimpy, falling down when they haven't even been touched and, and really, really milking it and milking the referees. I know that kind of bugs me a little bit. I think another one of those things are you know teams jumping up and down when they move to the next stage, backdooring their way in after a loss. Well, can I ask you a feel about that? Well, first, let's, let's take it to it um, one at a time. First okay. of all, um, I mean, I, I know you did too. I played soccer my whole life growing up. Uh, how is it any different than what Harden does when he tries to draw a foul? Yeah, there's, there's, there's flopping and everything, right? Right. And I mean, it, it, what it is mainly is knowing the rules and doing your best to interpret them and try to take advantage of them. And you know right. what, by the way, soccer is a very physical game. Yeah, it, it is. And you like, that's what, that's, what's really funny is I, I was the same way. Cause I played in high school. I played forward. I played striker up front. So, I mean, you, there will be times when you're battling with someone and you are just literally swinging wide so you can swing back in and pick up all your momentum and just shoulder into someone. And then there are other moments when somebody will literally flick you and you go falling. You know, it just depends on on what you're what you're aiming for. Like if you're in if you have some advantage and you're on a good run, you don't need to take a dive. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to take advantage of that run right there. But <laughs> it's it, it's funny. I did the same thing because I mean, for me, I was the type of player that um I wasn't necessarily like a big uh I didn't have a huge shot. So I had to get into really good positioning. I had to draw fouls. I had to create opportunities for my team. So a lot of the time I was the guy that was falling over that what you were coughing on me and I was falling over creating that free kick for a team or creating that kick right outside of the box or um, getting a little dinker outside. So a, a deflection so we could get a corner kick, little things like that. So yeah, to me, I mean, that doesn't bother me because to me, that's the, the interpretation of the rules and that's how you try to take advantage of the game. Um, it's just a completely different format, and I honestly think that's why the World Cup is is so awesome. It's a format we see once every four years. We don't really see this um, group knockout stage in any of the other mainstream U.S. sports. Uh, so I think it's different, it's unique, and it's just something that uh, is... Obviously, it's a little downer for us this year because the U.S. isn't in it, but I don't really have, have any problems with the way it is because everybody's dealing with the same issues. And, you know, and I think it's a little it, it's more fun for the teams that are the underdog teams. Right. Because as we see, like in the NBA and as we see a lot of times, like in a best of seven series, the better team is normally going to win. Right. Like if Germany had nine opportunities to get into the knockout, now they're probably going to get in. But in in a two or three game um, little series like this, one game you lose, one game you struggle, and you could be out. Without a doubt. And and that, I mean, I guess kind of going back to my original point, I think it's just one of those things where culturally, you know, American society, I guess, needs to open their minds to the nuances of soccer, right? Like, I've got cousins that come in from overseas, from the Middle East. For them, baseball is a okay, this is a three-hour game, and they don't see any of the nuance. They just see somebody, this big old guy, trying to swing and crush the ball as far as he can. That's all they see. They don't see anything else. They don't understand the cat and mouse game. They don't understand pitch selection. They don't understand strategy and tactics. To them, they just see, you know, you swing as hard as you can, and that's it. And I think soccer has a lot of those nuances as well, and I hope that American society can, you know, sports fans in particular can really – look into the 
surpassing beauty of the game of soccer. The even the strategies within the like the group stage and how a coach may approach a third game depending on the points and how it stands. You're not always going for the win necessarily. And once again, I think that's very un-American. You know what I mean? Like typically speaking outside of maybe game 17 in the NFL where you sit your starters, you know, you're pretty much going to try to win every game where it's not necessarily advantageous to try to go for a tie or a scoring differential. It's very different, but I love it. I think that's part of the fun. And I think slowly but surely, I think we're coming around as a whole. You know what I mean? Yeah, although you will you will say like it's different in one sense, but we do see microcosms of it in, you know, like towards the end of the year, teams tanking, teams kind of trying to manipulate their playoff standing sometimes in football. It happens a lot in football, you know, that last weekend of the year where a team goes, hmm, I might get a better, I might get an easier game if I lose this game. So let, know, me, it, let me tell you the irony of what you just said is this. I don't think that. European or any other cultures would understand that aspect of what we do over here because over there you get relegated. You know what I mean? Like you're going to yeah. get sent down to triple a if you try to pull that maneuver. So they're probably looking at it. They're like, what a weird system, just in the same way that we look at, you know, some of the aspects of soccer and think it's very unconventional. But once again, the, this to me, this is the beauty of be, having an appreciation for different sports with different rules, with different styles, with different feels, you know, with the different structure, strategy, tactic, etc. The other point that I was going to make, though, is it's really interesting to me how you, there's this dynamic of you have all these players that are playing in various leagues around the globe, premier leagues and top level European leagues and South American leagues, etc. You bring them in for a very short period of time and try to see if they can gel. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. That's another cool thing about the World Cup. You know what I mean? It's not like these guys are together for four years at a time leading up to each of these tourneys. Yeah, and, and very, I mean, we think about it, we see it in the Olympics and stuff, but it's never in, in even in the Olympics, like maybe hockey is big, um, and they've tried to do it with the World Baseball Classic. We see FIBA with the NBA uh, championships and the international tournaments they have here and there, but there's nothing that's even close to the the importance of the World Cup or just how big a deal this is and, and just the intensity of it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely hard to compare. Um, in that aspect, the hundred percent. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. So, uh, as we say here, let me flip it around and ask you the same question you asked me. So, any any revisions to kind of how you're seeing this now that we're nearing completion of the uh, first round? Not stage? really. I mean, I think Spain's looked pretty good. I mean, they they had a a, a fun group where, where they were in. But the one thing that I I will I haven't really been that impressed. That that's what I will take from it. I think. Every year, like with any one particular team, you mean? Yeah, I think the difference between the top and the bottom every single year is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Everything that it, it seems like the world is much more competitive now, and I think even with the fact that the U.S. isn't in there, that has something to say about it too, right? I mean, we just don't see the difference between the uh, the bottom of the barrel and these top top teams. Like, who has really re- have you really looked at any of these teams and been like, wow, I don't I don't think that team could get beat because well, I haven't. You know, proof of what you're talking about is let's take two teams in particular. One one is escaping the group stage and one's going home. Poland, I believe, was ranked seventh or eighth in the world, and they are getting a uh, early vacation for the summer. Russia, I think they were somewhere around 70, 75 in terms of ranking in the world. 
and they're moving on. And they so get home home carry, yeah. A little, little little home carry. I've heard a little conspiracy theory type talk as well, but that's for for another discussion. We all know not FIFA would never pull any BS, would they? Um, <laughs> no, but also you know they say that 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 just at home, you know, just the being at home is is always one that kind of just uh, like uplifts you, even when your team isn't isn't good, especially with this kind of uh, an energy. So something to home cooking, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's been a fun couple of weeks so far, and we got plenty of uh, the the weekend. This weekend is when we're going to really start to see um, the fun games because on Saturday we're going to see France, Argentina, and Uruguay, Portugal, and so those are four of the you know the big big shooters in this tournament. So things are going to really really start to get interesting this weekend. And if you are a Laker and a basketball fan like me. Mike, I'm shaking because they're already getting interesting because in the next few days, lots of things are going on. Even this morning, the Kawhi rumors are really, really heating up. And I am excited to talk with our buddy Alex about some Lakers and some free agency talk in just a minute. Yeah, we're going to have a good show today. We're going to be uh, you know, talking some NBA uh, around 1120-ish uh, Pacific time. And then... Um, after the second commercial break, we are going to talk some NFL. We're going to continue with our – we try to do it weekly. I'm calling it weekly. Sometimes it's every other week. But our weekly NFL offseason team reports this week, we are going to be featuring the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, we're going to have a really good guest with us from Zone Coverage, Minnesota. They do everything related to Minnesota sports from hockey, baseball, football, et cetera. And they do a fantastic job with them. And that's Arif Hassan. And so I'm excited to talk to him. Let's talk a little baseball, shall we, uh, in the next few minutes before we get to basketball? How does that sound? Sure. Dodgers, man. Th- this team is looking like it's kind of started starting to really come around and, and look like the, the contender for the NL pennant that we thought going into the year and they're getting it from so many different sources. I mean, before the season started, people were down on Peterson, Max Muncy, who coming from days, you know, some of these guys are getting some at bats and really proving they belong. Even, you know, Kike Hernandez in, in limited, you know, at bats, he's got what 13 bombs or something like that. So, I mean, this team can swing it, can slug it, and is having a fantastic June home run-wise. They're going to break the record uh, for their own franchise record. They might break the all-time record right now. Um, and they're doing this. This is a team that's been doing it without a whole ton of um, uh, of health. They've been battling injuries, and the, their pitching staff has really been just kind of up and down in who they've had in, in the staff. Right now, they're getting back. Uh, Bueller, Kershaw just came back for his first start in a while. He's going to be starting again today. Um, Ryu was their best pitcher early in the season, and he's been out. Rich Hill just came back. They've been literally taping it together uh, in the pitching staff and with the bullpen. So I- I'm um, unbelievably impressed with the Dodgers and what they've been able to do just kind of hanging around. This is what the front office built with the depth. And when a lot of Dodger fans were kind of scratching their heads with a lot of the signings and saying, like, we're not getting any of these big stars or we're but instead of getting the big stars, what the front office did is they take a lot of chances on guys who are cheap, who have a lot of upside, who maybe they saw something in guys who get on base, almost a weird like a money ball ish kind of approach. And every year for the Dodgers in the last couple of years, it's been a different guy popping up out of nowhere. A few years back, it was Andrew Tolles. Last year, it was Chris Taylor. This year, as you mentioned, it's Max Muncy. 
Jock has finally started to swing the bat again. I mean, his walks to uh, home runs numbers are back in a really, really good way. It's fun now. They're they're looking for the first month and a half. This, as a fan of the Dodgers, that watching them, this team felt bad. Like nothing was going right. The mojo did not feel good. They were not having good at bats. Things were unlucky were ha- happening. Bad injuries. It was just bad, 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 bad. And things have flipped. Good at yeah, bats. they weathered the, they weathered the storm really, really remarkably. Hey, let me let me let me suggest something. Let's uh, let's bring in another Dodger fan for a couple minutes before the break, and then we'll talk to him about the Lakers after the break. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, let's do it. So, uh, why why do you why do you why do you bring in your friend? You're, no one better than Gino, by the way, in terms of making introductions and uh, and welcoming in a guest. So, all you G. Okay, so if you follow this man, Alex M. Regla. You will be going back and forth. He is a big, big Laker fan. He's a wrestling fan. He's, he's really an L.A. fan. So Alex and I have, uh, have had some good conversations. But right now, Alex, I have to say that in the last five to seven years or so, this has got to be the most exciting time that the Laker fans have had. Like anything, you know, every team goes through ups and downs after the Chris Paul trade being reneged. It just seemed like everything went wrong for this Lakers team. And right now... Whether it be Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George, any combination of them, or the young the young guns, we're in a fun spot as Laker fans. So, Alex from Lakers SBN, how are you doing, and what are you feeling right now? What up, Alex? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, so, good, man. Thanks uh, for joining us yeah. again. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of a boring week, right? Like, it seems like there's not been much news. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, yeah, it is It is insane. Like, these past couple of days with, you know, the Kawhi Leonard news and the Paul George documentary going on and the LeBron James Vegas odds, it's just been, it's been nuts. And uh, like I wrote earlier, it's Lakers fans have been kind of waiting for this moment for what feels like two years now. And it's kind of finally here and a lot of people are excited and, it seems like this time around it's different. Like we've had summers before where it seems like it's a long shot to even get like a LaMarcus Aldridge type player. But now it seems like we're in the front, you know, we're in the front seat and getting like LeBron James or Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. It's, it's insane. Okay. So now this, this is what makes things a little bit difficult is that we have so many different kind of, strands out there we got paul george we got Kawhi, we got lebron we got julius randall uh free agency starting some of these guys are going to come back now plain and simple and we're going to take a break in a minute and we'll and we'll come back to you uh right after you answer this question for for more but what would be your ideal happening right now in the next couple months would you like to see you know lebron with some of the young guys lebron obviously we'd all like to see lebron Kawhi. Paul George, but then we're going to have to get rid of some of the, the young talent. Like, what would be the perfect mishmash, you think, of keeping some of these young guys and getting one or two of these big stars? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a give or take type thing. Uh, so my personal preference, like, I, they have the cap space without, like, any additional help to get two guys in right away without giving up any of the young guys. So I think that would be the preferable option for me. Like, if you can get LeBron and Paul George in the door without giving up any assets and have those young, cheap, cost-controlled players around them, you're kind of set up 
for the long run in that essence. Of course, you know, if you add Kawhi on top of that, you know, while you're going to have to give up some of the young guys, you're going to get the immediate, immediate help, and you're going to be a, you know, uh, you're going to be in the, the talks next year with the other free agents, possibly. So it's my preferable preference is just to keep the young guys, add those two with just the cap space, and kind of build a sustainable, you know, winning culture like that. That sounds good to me. Yeah, because I, I don't like the idea of giving up a ton right now for Kawhi mm-hmm. twofold. One, we know Kawhi, this is his number one where he wants to come. And two, the health. We saw that last year. We don't now. We don't know if Paul George is going to come. So that that's a mis- not maybe a mistake, but that's a an issue that maybe Magic and other um, of the Lakers don't want to worry about. If we don't trade for Kawhi, maybe he goes somewhere. They convince him to stay, like Paul George in Oklahoma City. But do you want to mortgage? You know what they're saying, Ingram, Kuzma. I guess now this morning it looks like Alex that it's saying that the Lakers offered Ingram and a first. For Kawhi, something similar to that is that what we're seeing now? Yeah, that that was that's what the Lakers like reportedly offered. It was Ingram, a first round pick for Kawhi, and uh, the Spurs kind of rebuffed that and didn't, thought it was too low of an offer. And you know, yesterday's report said it, it could be any combination of Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, and future first. And uh, the Lakers reportedly are in like the market of getting another first round pick at the moment to even throw that in. So it seems like the Spurs want more than what the Lakers are currently offering, but, you know, they're in a tough spot, too. They don't have as much leverage as... They're kind of in that Paul George, uh, Indiana spot where the players made it known where they want to be. Um, any team training for that player is going to be put in a risky spot because that, that player can leave after next season. And, you know, Kawhi has made it known through his camp and through reports that he wants to be in L.A., and his preference is playing for the Lakers. So, you know, if you're the Celtics, how much are you going to offer San Antonio if you don't think Kawhi is going to stay past this year? And, like you said, his health concerns. We don't know how he's going to perform next year. I mean, he was at an MVP level for two straight years before this, this injury popped up. And, you know, teams, teams have to take that into account and have to, you know, consider what's worth giving up for possibly a rental. Alex, I'm going to ask you about whether or not the Spurs would be out of their mind to trade a superstar of this nature to their arch rival. But let's hold on to that thought. Let's take our next commercial break because we're a little bit late on that. And then we'll come back with Alex Regla and keep talking NBA, Lakers, and more. Stay with us. We will be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? 
we'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Alex Regla, talking Lakers basketball, Lakers SBN, Silver Screen and Roll, where you had an article this morning, I believe, where you kind of basically are talking about how the Lakers and and really the Laker fan base can have their cake and eat it too. But I wanted to come at you from the other perspective, which is, I mean, would the Spurs, you know, be crazy to put the Lakers in a position? I mean, if, if the Lakers get Kawhi Leonard, then that puts them in pole position to be able to get LeBron. So now you're turning your arch rival into a mega team once again. I mean, to me, that sounds like, you know what? We'd almost take less from the Celtics in order to prevent this from happening. Exactly. And, you know, that it kind of goes back to the whole uh, Paul George, Indiana thing. You know, he made his, his intentions known. He wanted to beat the Lakers. And Indiana just almost out of spite just said, no, we're not going to trade you to the Lakers. We're going to trade you to OKC. And it seems like the Spurs are kind of going that same route. And but I think I, I think it's a little different considering Kawhi's status, his health concerns, his you know, his, his upcoming free agency. Where other teams are just they're not adding that leverage the Spurs want to kind of leverage the Lakers. Now it's we're getting the Celtics reports today, and it kind of feels like they're almost using the Celtics now as a little additional leverage to the Lakers, <laughs> saying, you know, up your offer, you know, if you want Kawhi, because we're not going to give him away, especially to you. The Spurs, are they know what's about to happen if they trade Kawhi Leonard. That if they trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers, that there's a really strong chance that LeBron's going to sign there, and possibly Paul George. So they, they're well aware that they could, in a way, help their arch rivals become a super team again. And they they want to milk everything they can from the Lakers if they they're about to do that. So yeah, they're, it seems like they're hesitant. They don't they don't want to, but you know they are at least open to it now based on these new reports. Where you know the Lakers uh, contacted them a while ago and they reportedly got that door shut in their face. You know, and now and now negotiations are open. So something's changed in that week or so since then that the Spurs maybe feel a little bit uneasy that their offers from other teams aren't as good as they thought they would be and they might have to actually negotiate with the Lakers which I'm sure they're not happy about but it's where they're at now well you you just brought up health concerns let me pose this to both of you and Gino because you guys are you know both uh Lakers diehards you guys follow the team you guys have followed the team for a very very long period of time I mean is there anything in the back of your minds aside from the injury that kind of wonders well wait a second here here was a guy that's in a top-notch organization of the Spurs and a fantastic head coach, you know, one of the best head coaches of modern-day history in pop. And all of a sudden, he was a malcontent for whatever reason. 
Um, it seemed to me at least that it was kind of quiet on that front until this year. And then boom, like he's healthy. He's not healthy. He wants to play. He doesn't want to play. I mean, is this somebody that is a troublemaker? Is this somebody where you're thinking, you know, maybe we don't want him on our team because of what he brings to the table. I mean, to sit out for a majority of the season to me is kind of ridiculous. I don't know about you guys. Well, yeah, yeah. So and that's the thing. You know, Kawhi Leonard has always been known as, like, the quiet superstar. You know, he does not talk to media. He does not say more than three words, at a, you know, at a given time. And for this report, you know, it's, it caught everyone by surprise. And it's still kind of a mystery exactly what exactly happened. You know, the only things we know is that his personal doctors and the Spurs doctors kind of had a, you know, they couldn't agree on exactly how severe the injury was, if he can play, if he couldn't play. So it kind of, it seemed like there's some bad blood there, and he just got rubbed the wrong way. And he maybe he just he wants a change of scenery. You know, I'm sure work. You know, playing under Pop for all those years and being in a very you know regiment organization. You know, he's from LA, but he never has really seemed like the guy who's cared about that spotlight. And I'm not sure he. Yeah, I don't think he does still. Like I'm not sure how much it appeals to him playing with LeBron James with all the paparazzi and everything that comes his way. So it is, it is a huge surprise that this news came out from the Spurs and from Kawhi, and it's just it's still a mystery of exactly what's going on. In terms of, like, is he worth the possible headache? He hasn't, besides this, he hasn't really had any locker room issues or concerns, and he's been a finals MVP, you know, all-star. He's one of the top five players when healthy in the league. So he's definitely worth giving up assets for. It's just I'm not sure how what his current mindset is, how severe his injury is, and his value in, around the league right now. Yeah, see, I, I like what you mentioned too, Alex, because for me, the fact that it's a health issue doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to be someone that, that will ruin your team or someone that I'm worried about going after because it's it's so touchy when you're pressing somebody on health or if they're injured or what their injury issues are. He's not a guy who was holding out for more money. He's not a guy who it was an attitude problem. It was mainly an injury issue. And I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, at the end of the year when Tony Parker's calling him out and Manu Ginobili. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Park, Parker's always kind of had that um, reputation of being kind of a kind of a hard ass guy who like him calling someone out doesn't seem that out of the ordinary. But Ginobili was is a guy who you don't really hear him talk too much. So once <laughs> he started to, to to say and kind of take shots at Kawhi, and then Pop was really kind of talk taking shots at him too. So you got two of the like the the stand like the standard bearers for this team who have been around for years, and they're kind of turning against you. And then you have Pop turning against you a little bit. So. I can understand why Kawhi just wanted, wants to get out of there, get a fresh start. But I, I'm with you, Alex. It's got the, the formula's got to be right because of the recent issues and the health issue, and the fact that he said he wants to come here. As the Lakers, you just can't give up too much for him. We want to get him, but you don't. I mean, the Lakers are in a great spot right now with Lonzo, with Kuzma, with Ingram, with Hart, if they can re-sign Randall, they have a lot of pieces where they could put together a good nucleus for years to come. You don't want to just kind of panic, make a quick move, and, you know, get rid of... Because I wouldn't want to get rid of two of the, in my opinion, our three big young guys in Lonzo, mm-hmm. Kuzma, and Ingram. For me, so, that so does that make too much. does that make Mo Wagner as the uh, expendable guy then, guys, or, or what? 
I think Hart's the guy I keep hearing being talked into and then future first round picks. Is, is that kind of what you're hearing too, Alex? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how much Mo Wagner has value wise or on the league currently. I don't, I think he's probably on the, the lower end of their assets. Um, it, it sounds like it's going to take at least two of the, the young guys and future picks and possibly taking out a bad contract from the Spurs. Like, I, I don't think the Spurs, I think the Spurs are petty enough uh, against the Lakers to just hold on to Kawhi, let him sit out a year, and then just give him away for nothing. If that I agree. Like, I, I, don't, I do, I, too. I don't think they're in a padding to, to do anything. I, I think they're, they're so resilient. I, I, I think if the right offer comes and the Lakers, like, blow them away with an offer, they'll do it. But if the Lakers are going to come in lowballing them, like, Ingram in a first-round pick, I don't, I, don't, I don't think sniffs what the Spurs want in return. I think it has to be Ingram, Kuzma, possibly two future firsts, and then maybe they can get a deal done. But I don't, I'm not sure how willing the Lakers are to do that. Like you and said, they have a really good young core, and they have the money to get two guys without giving up anything this summer. So it's, it's a give-or-take type thing. What makes this interesting, too, is the the organizations that we're talking about right now, in particular, San Antonio, the Lakers, and probably Boston. These are three organizations that aren't, that, that have won, you know, and their organizations, mm-hmm. they might not be the, the type that are going to go, okay, we're going to go all in for one year. These are organizations mm-hmm. that are worried about winning three, four, five championships. So there's a lot of cat and mouse going to be played, especially when they're, when they're rivals like this, you know, the Spurs and the Lakers and then the Sp- and then the Lakers and the Celtics, and they're trying to maybe block each other or, as you said, maybe just leverage each other to, hey, the Spurs will offer mm-hmm. or the Celtics will offer a little more just so that way it'll make the Lakers offer a little more. This is going to be a lot of fun in the next uh, in the next week or so. I think we have about five minutes left with you, Alex. I wanted to ask you a couple questions about um, some of the draft picks. Mike mentioned Mo Wagner, and I kind of was with you. When I saw the, the draft initially – I was kind of scratching my head a little bit. I had a couple guys that I had circled. You know, I'm a USC fan, so I was a Melton guy. I was going, come on, I want Melton, I want Melton. But then the more and more I looked at, you know, what you had written about him, and I looked at some of uh, Laker Film Room stuff and the videos, Mm -hmm. this guy is really, really good offensively. Oh, yeah. So I had the same gut reaction. Like, when he got called, I, I was pretty upset. I wanted Melton as well. And I even wanted Melton at 47 when he dropped. Me too, yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Houston takes Melton right before us. But, um, yeah, so I, I, the more I looked into it, the more I watched, the more I looked into the numbers, yeah, he's just like a dynamo on offense. Like, he can shoot the ball at the center position, and he can, you know, he was one of the best shooters in the, league, in the NCAA last year. And he's great in transition. He's great in pick and roll. He's a perfect pick and pop partner for Lonzo. He seems like like Brooke Lopez insurance in case he doesn't come back. In all honesty, he, they play a little similar, you know, role in spreading the floor from the big man position. He, it, it seemed like a reach for some people, some draft analysts, when the Lakers took him. But the Lakers have a reputation for selecting guys there higher on than the consensus and making it work with Kuzma and Hart and Nance and everyone they've you know, they've gone after. And he seems like the perfect modern NBA big man on offense. It's The issues are on the defensive end. and He's a bit of a liability there, and he needs to get stronger. He needs to move better. It's He gets bullied in the post a lot. So I think that's where his issues and his struggles will come. But offensively, I think he's going to be great. And he has, he's like I tweeted out, like he's going to be a fan, fan favorite at Summer League. He 
goes 100 miles per hour. He has, like, so much energy and dives on the floor and sticks his tongue That's out. That's what I love. Gets the crowd he, And he's, he, yeah. seems like a very, he seems like a very mature 21-year-old. It's, you know, he oh, seems yeah. to me like, like a kid that's, you know, maybe had a couple it. of professional seasons under his belt already, you know, you know elsewhere. So, to me, I, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Gino knows I'm not a hardcore NBA guy, but one of the, guys, one of the things that excites me is – to uh, do a little research on some of the pieces that come in from abroad, and you know, well, some Mike, of- that's a great that's a great transition. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but no, I please wanted, go ahead. I wanted to ask Alex because I felt the same way about Bonga, the next draft pick. Is I'm kind of scratching uh. my head, like what? And then when <laughs> when you watch this guy, I mean, I don't think he has the opportunity to be as good. But the first thing I thought of when I saw him was Giannis. I mean, he takes these strides. This guy is huge. Yeah. He's long. He's not a shooter. I mean, you watch, when you watch him shoot, yeah. he's definitely raw shooting the ball. But, man, he takes about two steps from the three-point line to the, to, the, uh, to the basket. He can jam. I mean, he plays some defense. He has long arms. This is a good project to kind of stash, maybe have him overseas for a year or two or down in the G League because he's a guy yeah. in a couple of years that could be really, really good. So yeah, so I'm really excited about Bonga. <laughs> like, yeah. I think of, of the three picks, I think Bonga is, like you said, he's he's about six ten, and he's got like a plus seven something wingspan, and he played primarily point guard in Germany. So that's about a six ten. So imagine basically Brandon Ingram when he played point guard during stints for the Lakers this year, similar to what Bonga played in Germany. And uh, like you said, he. He, it's it's almost like bizarre watching someone that long and tall dribble and pass the way he does. <laughs> it is. It like almost I, looks weird. Yeah, it looks weird. Like aesthetically and visually, like it's it's it doesn't seem like right to see someone that big dribble and pass on the floor, but he does, and he's so young. And the Gian, you know, I'm you know, Giannis is just like the common comp because he's huge and can pass. But it, like I said, yeah, like you said, he's not the shots not there yet. Defense, he's still really frail. He's got like Bambi legs still. Like he's really weak in his legs. And, um, but it's exciting that he is going to be at Summer League this year at Vegas. So he's going to be with the team. It was reported that we can get a good look at him there. And like you said, he is probably going to be a project player. Maybe he comes over for the defense, uh, for South Bay this year. Um, but we're not sure exactly how far away he is. Like he's, he's still really young. Still he's really 18, wrong, right? Still, yeah, I think he's not even 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, so we're not sure exactly when he can actually contribute. He seems like this perfect stash and draft player. So, but yeah, I, Lakers haven't had a project player in years like this. Like they usually don't go international project players very often. So this is kind of a their scouts were in were in Europe to see him play. So they definitely liked what they saw, and they took a chance at him at forty at forty seven. So yeah I, I think I think he has the tools that they look for. He's long, he's tall, he can dribble, he can pass very well. He's a really good passer. and um you know the shot isn't there, but he did shoot ninety percent from the free throw line in so, Germany. Yeah. so, it, that, so that, that makes you think the form at least but yeah, yeah, very low volume, but at least you know that sometimes projects some outside shooting. usually with scouts they they look at the free throw percentage and say, okay, if he can do it here we can work on it and we can project it out a little farther. So hopefully that, that translates better in the next level. Alex Regla, you can follow him on Twitter at Alex M R E G L A. He's a contributor at silver screen and right now. He has an article posted uh, talking about 
what would make the Lakers fans thrilled. And there was one that we didn't get a chance to talk too much about, but it's a good one, too. He has it pinned on his Twitter that if the Lakers miss out on some of these big stars, who are some of the next tier free agents that could be good for them to kind of fill uh, maybe a year until they take another swing at some of the big free agents next year or until some of these uh, young kids grow up a little bit. So, Alex, man. Love talking with you. You and I can go back and forth on some uh, some Dodgers, some Lakers, some wrestling, a little bit of everything. And I'm going to be following you. I've got notifications up on your Twitter, on your tweets, on Woj, on Ramona Shelburne, on uh, on uh, a lot of the uh, the Lakers out there. So uh, hopefully we have some fun in the next week. Thank you so much for coming on with us again today. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, that's been, that's been fun. Thanks for having me again. That's good stuff, Alex Regla. Love having him on board here. We're up against a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk Minnesota Vikings football with Arif Hassan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Just finished up some Laker and NBA talk. We're going to shift gears now and talk NFL. Our next guest covers the Minnesota Vikings for zone coverage. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's an outstanding insider. If you want to know what is the latest with the Minnesota Vikings, I'm speaking of Arif Hassan. Arif, good afternoon for you. How are you, my friend? Hey, Arif. I'm good. I'm good. How are you all? Doing really well. Let's get right to it and talk a little bit about what's going on with the Vikings here. Let's just start at the top. Big contract goes out, quarterback-wise, big decision to be made during the offseason. Obviously, we're talking about a team that was, you know, on one hand, one play from uh, being one and done in the playoffs. Uh, On the other hand, had probably one of the most incredible and exciting 
plays in NFL playoff history to be able to move on. So you're talking about a team that's got huge expectations, was game away from the Super Bowl. You know, is Kirk Cousins the guy that's going to get them two more wins this year from what you've seen so far? Was it worth the upgrade and the money spent? Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm, uh, I'm still a little bit hesitant about the money spent, but I do think it is a pretty significant upgrade. And one of the things that you get with him that you don't get uh, with Keenum is that you're not going to make nearly as many mistakes. Uh, and so the question might not be so much, is Kirk Cousins the guy that gets him to the Super Bowl? It might be, is Kirk, Ky- is Kirk Cousins the guy that doesn't keep them away from the Super Bowl? Because the rest of the roster is so talented uh, that they can, I think, turn, um, you know, a lot of average plays into really great plays. And I think Cousins, one of the things he does really well uh, is put talented players uh, in a position to succeed. It's kind of one of the things that he did well when he was in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think one of the, one of the ways that, um, you know, we're going to see him achieve some success is to get good offensive line play as we saw in 2017. Uh, I was talking to a good buddy of mine who is a hardcore Vikings fan. His name is Kia, grew up with him. And we were talking a little bit about the O-line. And the O-line did a pretty sufficient job in 2017. He was telling me that he thought for sure that they were going to use their first-round selection on an offensive lineman. Instead, they go with a corner from UCF, Mike Hughes, uh, but maybe get a steal of a pick, the tackle out of Pitt, Brian O'Neill in the second round. Before we talk about the first-rounder, let's talk about the offensive line, Brian O'Neill. Uh, what's his kind of assessment so far? You know, a second round pick with, with big upside. And, you know, can can they replicate their success from the year before? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the big things about the offensive line last year is that they didn't get injured very often. And when they did get injured, you saw kind of a big drop off in play. Uh, and so rounding out the depth is actually a big part of kind of repeating their success from next year. But you know, like your friend mentioned, a lot of people expected the Vikings to upgrade fairly immediately on the offensive line. Brian O'Neill, who I think you're right, is a steal. He's a really great pick. He's got a lot of talent. I don't think he has the ability to start right away, um, but he may be able to provide some additional depth in case they do get hit with the injury bug a little bit more often. So I think you'll probably see an offensive line, uh, which it's miles better than the 2016-2015 offensive lines that they had to deal with, but an offensive line that didn't necessarily get a ton better um, and, and might have even gotten worse in one or two ways, um, but certainly one that has more depth and more resilience. Uh, and you've got a quarterback that I think, uh, you know, he definitely operates best in a clean pocket, I think, more than most quarterbacks, um, but one that knows how to kind of change uh, the offense to suit his needs, maybe run it a little bit quicker uh, if you've got, uh, you know, a, a pressure-heavy team that they're going up against and stuff like that. So I think offensive line is still actually a, a worry, but, you know, compared to what Vikings fans have been used to for years, uh, they're they're way ahead. So as offensive line being one of the, as you mentioned, worries, it seems like now with the upgrade at quarterback, the skills positions last year were incredible. Young, lots of upside. What, are there any other units or what any other spots that this team is a little worried about, like the defensive front end or the defensive secondary? Defense has always been pretty strong, but any of the units that you're kind of curious or a little concerned about? Uh, other than the offensive line, it's a really well-rounded team. Yeah, so it'd that's be what I thought. That's why I, was, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be difficult for me to say if there's a unit that you're worried about. I think, you know, in the secondary, there's some questions about what's going to happen in the nickel spot. You know, they've got some worries there. You know, tight end, they don't have depth. Um, but these are all kind of minor worries. I wouldn't say that there's any other unit aside from the offensive line, uh, which is why it was such a surprise they didn't go there in the first round. 
uh, where the where the Vikings aren't average at least and, and most likely kind of above average. I mean, they want a third running back. They want a second tight end who has the ability to catch the ball in the red zone. They want, you know, a third receiver. They want a slot corner. But these, these aren't unit-level problems. They're all kind of very specific within the units. Yeah, I mean, see, when I look at that selection, what comes to my mind, obviously, from a from an agent perspective is they're looking ahead and their crystal ball. I mean, heck, when you look at the 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 defensive depth chart and you look at their starters, for example, a case could be made that maybe in eight positions, they've got a top three player in each of the positions in eight out of the 11, you know, defensive spots. And maybe they're thinking down the road in terms of uh, being able to re-sign some of these guys. We need to have some young, young talent on the cheap. I mean, that's the only thing that I could come up with with Mike Hughes. I mean, besides being a, a fantastic talent, but why, why to go that direction? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. You mentioned, of course, he's a, a fantastic talent. I think the Vikings genuinely thought they got a really great steal on a guy that they didn't necessarily think was going to fall all that far. Um, so I think that that plays a role. Um, but they've, they've been concerned about cornerback depth for a very long time, kind of even before you know, Mike Zimmer arrived. I mean, one of the kind of the hallmarks of the Vikings during the entire 2000s was that they would constantly get cornerbacks injured. Uh, and so they, they'd have to, you know, sign free agents off the street and then start them kind of the next week. Uh, you know, with kind of Rhodes' injuries all year, I mean, I don't think he missed a game, but he missed a lot of halves of games. Uh, they ended up having to play Tremaine Brock in a lot of situations, and that wasn't great. And so they've kind of always been under the impression that having cornerback depth is really important. It's primary because cornerbacks tend to get injured a lot, or at least they have, you know, with the Vikings. So I think that plays a role. But I think also down the road... It allows them some flexibility with, you know, Trey Waynes, who's been playing a lot better uh, this last year and, and may end up demanding a contract that's going to be kind of difficult for, for them to keep. And so with Mike Hughes, uh, you know, you have, you know, your guy that can sit for one or two years and then maybe start off for Trey Waynes or maybe even sooner uh, replace Mackenzie Alexander in the slot, which I've already mentioned is kind of an open question. So there's a justification behind it for sure. Uh, again, I don't know if that was like the you know, put it on a graph, the most optimal pick you could get, um, but certainly understand the reasoning. Well, you, you, you raised some really good points. And I think that what I see when I'm, when I kind of take a step back and look at the moves that they're making, this isn't like a, this, this year, win, you know, win or bust type mentality. They're, they're looking at a team that can go on a really nice run, you know, three to five year type run of, of success, or maybe even beyond that. And I look at, what I think is going to, when we look back in 2023, we're probably going to say that Hunter's deal was a steal for the Vikings. I'm huge on him. I know the kind of the, the big running joke over the, uh, you know, I, I was kind of scrolling through your Twitter feed, uh, you know, about Hunter's age and, and, uh, and, and you were talking about passing the mantle to, to, to him. And, and I am huge on this guy. I'm sure the Vikings are huge on this guy. He's going to be a sack machine. And like I said, I think an average yearly, uh, salary of 14.4 mil is going to probably look like a bargain in 2023. So when you're looking at some of the moves that they're making and considering the fact that they've got a lot of young talent, this team should be uh, at the top of the, of the division for a long time to come. I think that the torch has been passed from, from maybe the Packers, if you will, in that division to the Vikings. Yeah, I think so. I think there's always going to be a little bit of contention with that so long as Aaron Rodgers kind of remains healthy. But I think so. Uh, they've got, uh, like you mentioned, um, kind of a stable of young talents that they're securing on a long-term deal. There were five players that were going to hit free agency in 2019, 
they've extended uh, a little bit in part uh, three of them. So Eric Hendricks' long-term deal, Daniel Hunter' long-term deal, Trey Wayne's got an option activated for his fifth year. They've got some security and, and room to negotiate with him uh, if they if they really want to. And so there's only only two more players. Uh, takes Anthony Barr. They're not, you know, non-entities. They're pretty important. Um, but, you know, a lot of fans, they've been worrying about, you know, these five players hitting free agency all at the same time, kind of going through a lot of worst-case scenarios. What would it look like? What would the contract demands look like? Uh, and I know that at OverTheCap.com, a, a great salary cap website, does a great job projecting, uh, you know, salary cap data and stuff like that. They they projected that Daniel Hunter may be able to hit the open market for $18 million. So for the Vikings to get him for $14.4 million, uh, in the current cap environment, I think you're right. It's a huge steal. I mean, he doesn't even rank in the top ten uh, in terms of, I think, percentage of cap consumed when signed. It's kind of a metric I came up with to account for the rising cap. And so the fact that they've got him kind of on a long-term deal, like you said, he's so young, it really enables them to continue maintaining that staple of talent and lock in those young players that they've spent so much time developing and really want to keep as part of that juggernaut, like you said, that they've been developing that should be able to compete for three to five years. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so uh, we'll probably just have one or two more questions for you. But I wanted to ask just what are your overall thoughts of the of DiFilippo? Kind of what offensively do you think we're going to see? Are we going to see a lot of changes? And just kind of what's the overall view of uh, of the new man in town there? Uh, one of the really great things about DiFilippo is that he's very adaptive as an offensive coordinator, which I think is, is really important because sometimes you get a coordinator like North Turner who's really good when he's got all the pieces in place uh, but, you know, when, when some of those pieces are missing or the kind of the lead balls past them, they don't really have the ability to adapt. DeFilippo's shown a lot of ability to adapt to the pieces that he has around them and create really smart, intuitive offenses. You know, he was really involved in the passing game in Philadelphia as a quarterback's coach. He helped design uh, the offense with Cleveland, which definitely overperformed its talent. Uh, and, and what's really important is that he's already got kind of an understanding and a system that he wants to put in place without interfering with what worked really well uh, for the Vikings last year. So we'll probably see, you know, some quick passes to deal with the pass rush. We'll probably see, uh, you know, a wider variety of, of ways to use a running back like we saw uh, in, in Philadelphia. And we'll probably see a system that will allow Cousins uh, to make sure, you know, he knows exactly where he needs to see the field and, uh, and make his progressions quicker than they were before, which is a big part of what DeFilippo has been doing. I want to talk about schedule for a moment, and I'm hoping that we can maybe bring you back during the preseason and uh, maybe get into a little bit more of a prediction mode as we get closer to the uh, uh, NFL season opener. But yeah, first place schedule. They got the Rams, you know, in in LA. They got the Eagles in in Philly. They got the Patriots in New, in in New England. You know, just a gut feel right now, late June. You know, do they? replicate their 13 and three mark or is this one of those years where maybe they finish 11 and five but make a deeper run which obviously would be would be you know getting to the super bowl yeah i think uh, you're more likely to see something closer to an 11 and five season it might even be a more talented team but you know you mentioned uh that the schedule uh the top of the schedule remains pretty tough it was pretty tough last year but uh, it remains pretty tough and then uh, the vikings were the least injured team in the nfl uh, on defense, I think for the past five years, I don't know if that's going to replicate itself either. So we'll probably see, you know, a little bit of turnover in terms of the amount of talent that you put on the field. But that doesn't mean that they're not one of the top teams in the NFC. And I think we'll see that. I think we'll see, you know, maybe a, a couple fewer wins, but I think we'll see a better opportunity, like you said, to make the Super Bowl. 
Outstanding stuff, Arif. Why don't you uh, share with the listeners how they can follow you and get up to date on uh, all the Vikings news and information out there? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, you can always go to the website zonecoverage.com. There's a couple of Vikings writers, including me, that should keep you up to date on all the latest Vikings news from a couple of angles. And you can follow me at Arif Hassan NFL. That's A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL uh, on Twitter. Most of the time it's jokes, but sometimes, uh, you know, I, I put forth some, some football analysis. So hopefully that's worth following. <laughs> and it sounds like maybe you chime in with a, a political take or two uh, elsewhere, perhaps? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've got a <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's called Wide Left Podcast. Uh, I think it makes kind of my my political alignment pretty clear at the outset. So hopefully, no one gets surprised <laughs> by that. But yeah, and occasionally I'll I'll comment on that too. But I I try to keep it to the one account. Well, maybe we'll have a, a, a good, clean, wholesome uh, debate one of these days and, uh, you know, and, and not come out. To, you know, it seems like the, today's political climate just gotten out of control. I can't even talk to anybody unless they, they share the exact same viewpoints as you. But I'm not like that. I love uh, I love hearing other opinions. Um, wonderful NFL conversation, though. That's what it's all about. Get our minds off of this stuff. So thank you so much for joining us, Arif. We hope we can. Thanks, uh, Arif connect with you sometime soon and uh, good luck for the Vikings. Have a fantastic summer. We'll connect with you sometime during preseason. Yeah, thanks. It was really fun talking to you. This is great. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. That was good stuff, man. Gino, today was a really fun show. We talked about a lot of different things here and as we got to wrap up, uh, let's make sure that we talk a little baseball next week. Uh, because I know you had some uh, interesting thoughts about the Dodgers. I do about the Red Sox. We're going to be approaching the All-Star break. Yeah, and, happy 4th um, to everyone, too, because it'll be the 5th when we uh, when we talk next week. So happy 4th, safe time, have some fireworks. That's always my favorite holiday. So I think I'll see you on the 4th, Mikey. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.